0: so as a leader i believe my job as a leader is to develop more highly competent leaders leaders who are self-aware leaders who can self-regulate leaders who understand motivation right leaders who understand the soft social skills and ultimately great leaders are people who build relationships with their teams, with their company, with their people. But as a leader, see, we we tend to talk about leader in the context of business.
1: Welcome to the Manage Self, Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others.
2: This episode, I'm speaking again with thought leader and visionary Dan Silverberg. With a distinguished track record leading Fortune 500 businesses from 7 million to 400 million, launching four startups, leading a global brand revitalization in 100 countries, and having trained in McKinsey methodologies, Dan has a consulting background with EDS and AT Carney, and as managing director at Oracle Corporation, led the go to market strategy. Now, with a master's degree in leadership and coaching, Dan announced dates for his leader council and other programs to grow the next generation of leaders. My past conversations with Dan are now videos on his website, entelekey.ai. That's E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y.ai. Go to the Inspirations tab to see the videos. Then head to the Call tab to sign up for Dan's newsletter. And when you register for one of Dan's programs, you can mention Nina Sunday referred you. As members of the US-based C-Suite Network, I got to know Dan over the last three years. I'm impressed by his integrity, sharp insights, and independent thinking. This episode, it's my privilege to welcome my good friend, Dan Silverberg.
0: Hi, Nina. It's great to be with you.
2: (laughs) And today, we're going to be talking about Unmasking Leadership moving from
0: myth to meaning
2: myth to meaning wow uh it's always a wonderful conversation with you Dan um i've i've got a, you you did write an article called leaders move the needle is that is that an article that people can register for your newsletter to get or how do they access that it was on linkedin
0: oh they can go to the website which is Intellikey en t-e-l-e-c-h-y dot a-i and then under the inspiration tab they'll see that there are your podcasts are there the uh articles of different companies are there and there are certain books to buy and then if they want that particular article there is a tab called blogs and that particular article is one of the blogs that are on the website
2: Yeah, well, I've been reading Leaders Move the Needle and I've got a few questions after reading that, but I don't know. Where do you want to start, Dan?
0: (laughs) Well, I want to talk today about how paradigms are formed and how all of us as human beings get a default operating system. However, if you've got some questions on the article, we could start with that and then we'll move into the paradigms.
2: Right, great. Well, it's just that your really identifying that you know it's it's new days at the moment and we have to equip teams to function effectively within gray areas to embrace ambiguity as a challenge how do we equip teams to be more impro- improvisational
0: yep so an interesting question so google actually did a study on what makes successful teams and they interviewed over 200 teams within their own organization. And I think in addition to what they have done, I have my own experience leading teams and there are other you know data sources out there. But the number one issue is what they call psychological safety, right? And what is that? Well, psychological safety basically means that if I'm on a team, am I respected? is there a status to the team or is everybody's voice considered and heard they may not do what i'm suggesting but at least i'll be heard my ideas will be acknowledged and they'll and they'll be thanked for having an opinion and so i think in terms of moving this needle psychological safety matters The other thing is, is there mutual respect? The third thing I think is um, status. So in underperforming teams, if a particular person is in the hierarchy above a group of other people and wants to use that as a cudgel, that will clamp down the innovation and ideation of a team. And so we have to be, conscious that in terms of status, all people's voice and ideation need to be heard. Now, what also could happen is there may be a particular project and you may have a particular skill and the team could decide, Nina, we want you to lead us on this particular project because you have a depth of experience the rest of us don't have. But it becomes a team decision, not a situational title decision. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's what's really important. If you want innovation, then you need to have vulnerability and a psychologically safe environment allows for people to I'm not sure about that idea, Nina. I'm not sure that that's really going to get us where we want to go or I've tried that idea before, got some great results for it, and here's some things that I learned about it so that there's an openness of presentation of ideas. And we can say things like, I'm curious, if we were to do this, what do we think then would be an outcome? And then if we got that outcome, what do we... And so that we're iterating so that the group then gets to see Well, Dan's perception is this, but wait a minute, there's six other perceptions in the group. Or a phrase of, I'm curious, why do you think that idea is going to be the best in terms of leveraging an outcome? I'm curious invites openness, it invites, you know, digging deeper and delving into a subject.
2: And what's good about nope. that too, Dan, is the "I'm curious You're, It's actually a message to yourself for the person asking the question. If they're in the habit of starting their questions with "I'm curious it 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 ten, uh, it It clamps down, as you were saying, on any sense of sarcasm or or um you know criticism, you want it to be a positive um trigger question because you might wonder if they have actually thought thought the idea through would that would that be right so if you're the the leader or the chair of the meeting or just a person in the meeting hearing the conversation you may not be certain that they've thought the idea through and that would be a way to actually ask them if they have
0: not only that but how many different products are in the market by accident <laughs> i'm working on this idea but what happened is I was working on an adhesive and I I wasn't really getting where I needed to go, but I got this thing called post-it notes, <laughs> right? And so this idea that we know in the beginning everything isn't true. And so innovation is an iterative process. It doesn't start with, I know best. It starts with, I wonder if, I'm curious about, mm-hmm. right? And things meander. And then you're sort of like, oh, well, what if we went this direction? What if we went that direction? And now if we start to think in multiple scenarios, as opposed to I have to have the answer, you're yes. not going to innovate if everybody thinks they need the answer and they can't take a risk.
2: Exactly. And, and, of course, the fixed mindset question is, now, are you absolutely 100% sure that this is going to work? It's like... No, but we've got to try to actually find out <laughs> and then we can adjust and correct yeah, yeah exactly another question is what mechanisms have people put in place organizations put in place to ensure rapid response to unforeseen events because black swan events are we are predictably going to continue to come
0: that that's a it's a, a tough one to answer because every company is different. The question for me becomes, what is your culture? Is your culture risk averse? Is your culture one of hierarchy and title? Is your culture one of fail early and often, but learn quickly? Is your culture one that wants different inputs and different ways of seeing things or you don't understand our business we have institutional knowledge that's a good one we could never hire you from another industry you don't understand our business yeah that would be one of the best things you could do because now you would get new ideas and how if this industry was doing something how might I figure out how to put that in my industry and I'm leading in a way that isn't institutionalized. So it's really, how is the culture done? How are decisions made and who's at the top? How are things communicated? Are they over-communicated? Are they rewarded? Are they incented? Are people promoted? So if you're not promoted for taking a risk, you're probably not going to try a whole lot of different ideations.
2: You learn to keep your mouth shut
0: sometimes. (laughs) And then the other thing is about grit and resilience. Yeah. So how resilient are you? So have you done anything in your planning just to, you know, how the military plays war games, they do different scenarios with different activities to see how things would work out. Well, in business, we could do the same. Yeah. So we have a we have a particular idea about oil for example. Well now we've got this war going on, right? Then we have energy independence and we decide we're not going to do energy independence. So there's price swings, there's resource allocation, there's commoditization. There are all of these different things. So again as an organization, how many different perceptual intelligence lenses do we bring to how we make decisions.
2: Mm. Tell us about your leader council that's coming up. Uh, It'll be be next year, by the sounds of things, is it? When will it be starting?
0: The leader council is a year-long program, and it will meet twice a month. So the first meeting is on the second Friday of the month. It lasts for three hours. And the second meeting is the fourth Friday of the month and it lasts for two hours.
2: And and what time of day? Because I'm just trying to work out for the global listeners if they can, you know, do they have to get up at three in the morning or uh...
0: so what time USA? Oh, well, I think what we're going to what we're going to probably do is something around either nine to 11 in the morning or it'll be four to six in the afternoon. Central standard time what I'm thinking is from a global perspective is to have one, one base for the United States and another base, let's say for Europe or Asia, and we'll yeah. work out the time differences right. so that it works.
2: Yeah. Lovely. Yeah? Lovely. So wherever you are in the world, it, it, the time will probably suit you. And this is a year long program and go to AI, and uh, the spelling is in the show notes and, Get in touch with Dan, mention mention uh, Nina Sunday. You will transform your approach and your behavior as a leader. so uh,
0: yeah, thanks. it's it's a very different. The leadership development uh, industry in the United States is sixty billion dollars. Ninety percent of it has no long-term sustainable effect on being a good leader mm. And so I think the difference is, that my program the first meeting is all about a particular whether it's attributes like self-awareness so yeah tell me your story tell me who am i tell me your bad faith and tell me your relationship to spirituality i didn't say anything about marketing or sales or anything like that it is getting you internally to see who you are so that first three-hour meeting is a lot of breakouts it's a very interactive and experiential Mm. and i guarantee the sustainable result because you will experience tied to an emotion and when you do that you have a memory right when you read a book for knowledge in six weeks 80 percent of it is gone unless you take something from the book related to an experience and have a memory put to it. Mm -hmm. And then the second uh, Friday will be what happened during that time where you actually were applying these principles to yourself. So you'll have an accountability partner. You'll have a cafe conversation. You'll build a team of allies and trusted advisors, right? You'll have me as a guide and, and someone who's a confidant. And the whole idea here is your own personal transformation. And you've captured the
2: numbers too. So it's uh, very much a a small cohort all working together. Is that right?
0: We're looking, yes, each council will be 12 to 15 people. And that will give me lots of opportunity to work one-on-one with people, both in those sessions and outside of the sessions. And so there will be time to do hot seats and talk about the business, but this is not a leader council to come and tell me what your marketing problem is. Yeah. This is a leader council for you to grow yourself into the next best version of yourself.
2: And you're really aiming at people that have a C-suite role, correct?
0: Yes. So I'm looking for C-suite executives. Um, So that would be a CEO, a CFO, COO, CRO, CHRO. It has that CMO. C- <laughs> Yeah, uh, right. It has that "c" little word in front of it because you're the leadership of the company. Yeah, now,
2: in in your uh, in your article, you write that the genius of one pales in comparison to the wisdom of many, and that's collective intelligence. So, mm-hmm. how do you recommend leaders uh, tap into this reservoir of wisdom
0: in a traditional hierarchy? The one with the highest title is the one people look to And it's almost like, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want me to do. And there's a tap down of genius initiative and collective intelligence, right? Mm. So in a situational title is more of do as you're told or the boss manages the team. In the world we're in today, it's an ecosystem of people and ideas and collective intelligence will definitely do better than an individual. Why? Well, if we took an iceberg as an example, 10% of the iceberg is above the water and 90% is below. So the studies have shown that top management at best knows 10% of what's really going on in the business. The other 90% is hidden in the collective intelligence of the marketing department, the sales department, the supply chain, the production area, the finance area. They're are all of these different areas. And that collective is what can actually bring a, again, how do you make decisions, right? So if we're looking for fact-based, The people on the phone talking to a customer, your outbound people will have a lot more relevant data than someone sitting on the 30th floor thinking they know what's going on to the business. And so what happens now is what is your role as a senior executive? Is it an architect? Are you an innovator? Are you a communicator? Are you a coach? Are you someone who wants to elicit the best out of your people or you want to tell them what to do. And so there's a whole different idea, I believe in business model and how we approach bringing the collective together.
2: And here's, here's the thing, Dan, if, if the senior leader tells people what to do in transactional analysis, they talk about adult uh, parent, adult child, then, you're not acting adult to adult you're acting parent to child you're making the, your the people you lead follow your your orders your instructions they're not thinking for themselves you're not cultivating a culture where they think for themselves so we need adult to adult thinking these days so people uh, are really thinking for themselves so that the the good ideas percolate throughout the organization the other thing we have to make sure doesn't happen is silos these separate silos
0: We have to
2: silo bust.
0: Well, that's another uh, that's another (laughs) podcast to talk about business models and ecosystems and collective intelligence, right? Mm. So one of the things we found with hierarchies: why is it that major corporations seem not to promote from within but bring in CEOs from the outside? How many companies are really good at developing? leaders within their organizations right so that's that's kind of an issue that i think a lot more people need to answer why is it as the leader of a company i'm not developing more leaders that institutional knowledge of my company so we tend to go out and we go oh i want to hire someone from home depot nike amazon google And we bring them in because the fairy dust that falls off of them will turn us into this wonderful company. (laughs) And it's not that the people coming in don't have fairy dust, but what they don't have is the entire support system, the brand management, the decision-making, the infrastructure, the systems and processes. All of those things can make leaders better than who they are. And likewise, if it's not a good process system and organization, it can take very talented people and make them look like they're not very talented at all.
2: Mm. But
0: one of the questions I have for executives, you hire someone because you saw a genius within them. And then what happens is you bring them in and you institutionalize them and tap down the genius. What is that about, right? So if we want the best, then we should hire the best and turn them loose to do what it is they do best. So what inhibits that? Well, things like fear, things like trust. So these are, this is our own internal work that we need to do. So 70% of people today say they are unengaged in their work. So we have bosses out there that micromanage, bosses out there that take credit, blame, the team they're not trustworthy they're not self-aware right they're not socially emotionally intelligent and these soft skills are in the world we're in today to bring the best out of people you cannot bring the best out of someone any to any degree greater than you can bring the best out in yourself
2: thank you dan that's exactly what this podcast is called manage self Lead others, build capability, and it's all about self leadership, about emotional intelligence, raising raising your own uh, modus operandi. In fact, the the number one, uh, the number one goal of any leader really is to build the capability of their team. So you've said
0: it so perfectly. You no, know, that's not true. What? No, that's not true.
2: Okay. The What's number
0: true? one, the number one thing for a leader is to grow more leaders right see it's not about the outcome it's about the person so how do i develop my people to realize their highest potential to become the next best version of themselves see the way we talk about leadership in a business is very externally focused how do I take a group of people and get them to achieve more than they thought possible so that the economic numbers meet the standard of expectation of the external, like Wall Street, for example? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, that's not leadership. That's management, managing to expectation. Yep. Yeah. So as a leader... I believe my job as a leader is to develop more highly competent leaders, leaders who are self-aware, leaders who can self-regulate, leaders who understand motivation, right? Leaders who understand the soft social skills and ultimately great leaders are people who build relationships with their teams, with their company, with their people, but as a leader, see, we we tend to talk about leader in the context of business. I want to talk to you about being a leader in life with your spouse, your kids, your community, your school that your kids go to, your religious institutions that you participate in, the charities and and give backs that you're interested in and making a difference in the world business happens to be a piece of the pie we tend to talk about leadership as the pie and we're missing the target by doing that in my opinion so
2: when i say build capability there's a nuance there that i thought included growing other leaders but How do you take the nuance of the phrase build capability? Because I've used that a lot and I can change
0: it. When I hear capability, I'm not hearing it so much as a capable person. I'm more hearing that in a business context, I want my marketing people more capable in marketing. Oh, productivity, you
2: see.
0: Right. right? Well, that's how business goes, right? right? And so the idea is how do I? we hear things in business? we need to do more with less, right? We hear things like we're resource constrained. We hear things like, you know, we don't have infinite amount of money, all of these kinds of things. So this will be somewhat provocative, but any shortfall in a business is due to poor leadership. Yeah, It's not due to the economy. It's not due to some outside influence. It's not due to some excuse. We need to own and that's part of being a leader is owning who we are, owning both our strengths and our weaknesses, owning both our success and where we fall short. And it's taking full responsibility for the outcomes that we get.
2: Mm. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I'll uh, correct my language in future.
0: (laughs) No, no, it's all about the nuance. It's a difference of perception. I'm sure if we brought in 10 senior executives and ask them what is the number one job of a leader we would probably get 10 different answers (laughs) and it's one of the reasons that leadership is so hard to teach is there is no accepted definition well thanks nina as you know i've spent 40 years and I've, i've worked in the global 500 i've done five startups I have a tech background with EDS and Oracle. I've got a business Mm -hmm. consulting background, McKinsey and A.T. Kearney. So I've done lots of different things. And over that time, um, I also got a master's degree in leadership and coaching. And that's really my why and my love at this point Mm -hmm. is bringing a legacy into the world of sharing these wonderful opportunities and my own struggles and growth And personal journey, and wanting others to have a similar opportunity to lead a spectacular life.
2: This episode, I was speaking with Dan Silverberg, whose website is entelechy.ai. That's E N T E L E C H Y.ai. Go to the Inspirations tab, and you can see past episodes uh, of of my conversations with Dan on the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast. If you want to sign up for Dan's newsletter, just head to the call tab on his website. And if you want to sign up for my newsletter, go to brainpowertraining.com.au and you can register for my newsletter. So thanks for listening and until next time, bye for now.
1: Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.